I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Tudor Dixon Podcast in the Clay and Buck Podcast Network. Welcome to the Tudor Dixon Podcast. I'm Tudor Dixon, and it's great to have you tuning in today because I am excited to be reunited with one of the many incredible people I met on the campaign trail in the state of Michigan. Ian Murphy is the owner of the Iron Pig Smokehouse in Gaylord, Michigan, and one of the fighters against the lockdowns that Gretchen Whitmer had in the state, a, a really serious fighter and you got kind of in trouble for that. So you're one of the bold people in the state. And I think you're sort of, I would say you're being vindicated right now, but welcome to the program. Uh, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, vindication, um, having a published opinion come from the court of appeals uh, is a big deal. So that that's the vindication that you're speaking of. And it's not even our case that was ruled on in the Court of Appeals last week, but it upholds our win in the lower court ruling. So yay for freedom and yay for uh, judges with um, some sense. <laughs> well, so for folks that are outside of the state of Michigan, they may not know that Michigan had the longest restaurant lockdown of any state in the United States. I think it was a full eight months when you put it all together that restaurants were locked down, were locked down from March until June, there was a small time that it was open, then the holidays again. And then I, I think it was almost through the next March again, right? That the restaurants were locked down. It was. Yeah. It's hard for me to remember because we stayed open for nearly yeah, right. all of that. We stayed, we were closed the first part in early March of 2020 when we really didn't know what was going on. But yeah, in the fall, uh, November, basically the day before Thanksgiving, the biggest bar night of the year, uh, I made the decision to stay open and take on a thousand dollar a day fine uh, in doing so. And 
what what people I, I think also maybe don't know about this, and this was why people in Michigan were so shocked by what was happening, is that the governor was extending her emergency powers, extending them time and time again, and using them to pick and choose who actually got to make a living and who didn't, who was essential and who was not. We all remember essential workers. And so she was told she was slapped on the wrist. I mean, essentially, and these powers were taken away by the Michigan Supreme Court because the people stood up and said, this is outrageous. You cannot keep us from making a living. And so most of the businesses at that point were able to reopen when she was told you no longer have these executive powers, which she kept telling people, you know, the Republicans are making it so that I can't keep people safe. Obviously, you were able to stay open and people were safe. And that was the real kicker was she then somehow decided to transfer her executive powers over to the Department of Health and Human Services who then came in and shut the restaurants down. Isn't that right? It is. And you know, what's interesting is when we go back and look at the entire timeline from the very first executive order, she used three different mechanisms. She used the EPGA, which you're referring to as now unconstitutional. She also issued through the health department, this health law and a couple of others that has now been ruled unconstitutional. And she also used the proper method, which was the Emergency Management Act, which is what the founding fathers intended, which means she has to go back 28 days later to authorize more lockdowns or more whatever it is that they're trying to do. And I equate it to folks up here in Northern Michigan, the Emergency Management Act gets used nearly every winter when there's a terrible, terrible snowstorm like we had this year, actually during uh, Christmas, the uh, local authorities come out and say, you can't be on the roads. It's unsafe. You're putting others in danger by being out there. Now, usually that's less than 24 hours, but if they had to, they could go 28 days. Now, she's been found in violation of that in that October Supreme Court ruling as well. But that's the whole point is we're supposed to interject our elected officials. And if we don't like what they're doing, then we can unelect them. Right. We can recall them. That's the entire point of our argument from the beginning is one unelected official made devastating decisions all the way around. Forget about what just happened in, with the restaurants, but the nursing home stuff and all of the other things that have come from this. This health law, 2253, that the Court of Appeals published last week as an unconstitutional ruling, now undoes all of that. So there is now a look at everything that that health law was used for. Myosha, the Liquor Commission, uh, the schools used it to put masks on the kids in the fall of August, uh, August of 2021, three days before school, right here in Gaylord, the local health director decided to put masks on the kids. We had a meeting here at the Iron Pig because we were going through some of that battle. And out of that came another lawsuit, let them breathe versus our local health department here. That was just struck down in the Court of Appeals nearly the exact same day that this ruling came out. And the courts there said it was moot because the mandates had been rescinded and there is no longer a COVID-19 emergency. And they feel like uh, if it does happen again, well, you can just bring your lawsuit back is basically what wow. the Court of Appeals said. So outrageous. Do, it is outrageous. And it's sort of activist judges, if you will, kind of doing these things. So on one hand, we had a really nice win in the Court of Appeals. But in the other hand, and they're not the same law, they're different laws. Um, you can see the disparity in these judges and their rulings um, and how we have to fight so hard over and over and over.
You know, the Democrats are really great at coming out and saying the other side, they have all these organizations that come out and say the other side is bad because of this. And then they build themselves up on their platforms and running. I I think in my position running against her, we did not have those groups that came out and attacked for all of these things that Gretchen Whitmer had done. And I think it's it was from the Republican side, such an eye opener that we don't have these nonprofit organizations that are coming out and saying, um, hey, these are the things that have these are the issues that caused you all this harm. And this is the person who supported all these issues. And that's something that I think right now is critical because we are seeing multiple puff pieces written on Gretchen Whitmer. We see it in the Atlantic. We see it in Politico. We see it in uh, Vanity Fair. She got a big puff piece and all, all the Democrats are saying, we really wish that she could be our president. I mean, how devastating is it that this is a woman who time and time again has had the Supreme Court come down and say, actually, what you did was unconstitutional. Essentially, you are breaking the law to the highest extent as governor and you don't care. And she didn't care because she knew it. And then she went around and tried to figure out a way to continue to do it. It very much reminds me of Joe Biden right now, knowing that he could not provide loan forgiveness to students and then conveniently getting the Supreme Court court ruling right as we're going to election time again so he can campaign on that again. Don't worry, folks. I'm going to find a way. I'll do it illegally again. What do you think when you see these puff pieces on Gretchen Whitmer and people saying she's got to be the one? We've got to make sure that Joe goes out to the nursing home and we put Whitmer in. You know, uh, short memories. Yeah. Uh, to put it that succinctly, um, with regards to the last race here in Michigan, and well, and I, I, across the country, honestly, I think there were some issues that overshadowed mm-hmm. what um, should have been the main conversation with regards to reelecting Whitmer. Um, and a lot of those things were pushed aside in favor of a certain issue. Um, so it never was uh, discussed well enough and talked about enough about the effects that she did have, uh, you know, all the industry, service industry people that were out of jobs, the restaurants that 300,000. It's insane. And that's just one sector of tiny sector of our economy. It shouldn't say tiny. Hospitality is awfully pretty big here in Michigan. But comparatively, when you're talking about auto industry, uh, you know, early on, there was uh, some issues with contractors. You know, my OSHA, my OSHA was coming in and citing these poor contractors where you've got too many... <laughs> Too many, oh, the uh, Myosha shameless. I forgot about that. You were posted yeah. on the internet about, on a Myosha shameless if you were breaking Whitmer's rules. Yeah, I met a gentleman yesterday here in the restaurant. He came down to our prep kitchen um, where our studio actually is. And he's a firefighter from Ann Arbor who uh, basically was fired for not getting a vaccination and because he didn't receive a religious exemption. So he's got an ongoing lawsuit. I mean, these are the people that are better supposed to be protecting us and they want to boot them out the door. I mean, it's so counterintuitive. But back to the original point, I think short term memories is really what has happened. And I think if Whitmer decides to do anything beyond uh, being the governor of Michigan, and I see it hard that she doesn't, um, people just have to remember exactly what it is that she did. And it goes back to basic civics, right? Right. Three mm-hmm. separate but equal branches of government. And this is what we to- talk about in our podcast a lot is there is now a fourth branch of government, which we call the administrative state. 
that's what has happened here in Michigan is the executive has created this. I think they're two agencies short of their constitutional max for executive uh, branch agencies. Um, the Liquor Commission, MyOSHA. Those people that live past term limits that you cannot touch. Yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So there's this great big blood. We've known this for years at the federal level. The EPA is, you know, there was a a Supreme Court ruling that came out last year. It was great ruling. It says this is this agency doesn't have the the power to be doing this. Um, And that's what's happening here in Michigan at the state level. The, The Liquor Commission came after us because they were the ones with the the biggest weapon, if you will, to rescind my license. Then they came and took my uh, food license through the Department of Agriculture via the health department, who are the people I have to work with two to three times a year. These poor folks don't want to come in here and have to be doing these things. The local police are telling me I've got to do my job, but if I weren't, I'd be sitting here having a beer with you right now. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
how do you hurt a restaurant? You take their liquor license. And a lot of people don't, other states don't have a liquor control commission. Not all states have one. Michigan is so fortunate that we get to have this where people can come in and take your liquor license and shut you down. And that gives the governor this extreme power. I mean, it reminds me of the movie Aladdin where it's like, I have all of the power. That's, that's what I, I yeah. kept thinking when she's doing this. She's just, she just is going in and destroying. And, and that subject that you, you talked about that you said you didn't mention that was abortion. And let's be honest about, she won on abortion. She won by saying that she's going to provide unlimited abortion. And the crazy thing is that uh, a few weeks before the election, we were called into the Detroit chamber. I think it was, or someone had a, a, not a debate, but where we could both give our views. And they asked, Michigan is in dire straits when it comes to the economy. We have lost so many jobs and we lost jobs. I think it was 82,000 jobs that we ended up not getting back after the pandemic. And 20,000 of those were in the hospitality sector. She, her answer to how are you going to get those jobs back? What are you offering to bring companies here? She said, I'm offering abortion. I mean, that was her answer to economic recovery in the state of Michigan. I find it interesting because we're just finding out in the last week that it in that was that was her big plan was LGBTQ rights and abortion. And in her budget that she just signed, she slashed the budget on tourism. And that is really important to our hospitality sector, to our restaurants, to our hotels. This is after this huge insult of 2020. She just slashes tourism and nobody talks about it. I mean, that is a big part of Michigan. We've got lakes, we've got skiing, we've got everything that you can do outdoors. And yet we are not bringing people here. And one of the things that I think people don't think about is one of the ways that you can reduce taxes in your state is to increase tourism. Have your friends come in and pay for you. You know, that's what Florida does. They're successful in not having income tax because they bring people to their state to visit. She doesn't care about that. And it's, again, counterintuitive to me, everything that we've seen, and the numbers bear this out, tourism is on fire in Michigan right now. So why not make hay while the sun's shining? I say um, campgrounds are, 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 are packed, booked weeks, months in advance now. Uh, we've got a new uh, really upscale RV motor park home just uh, a mile away from us here downtown. Um, why... That decision was made, but yet let's talk about incentives to bring the film industry back here again. We know that didn't work the first time. Why are you trying these things that didn't work, but yet incentivizing the things and the reasons why people do come to Michigan? And there is so much money that is being spent. My family is in the action motor sales business, right? RVs, sports cars, boats, all kinds of things. Um, this is what especially our little community here in northern Michigan is completely built on. Our our uh, economy and our population quadruples at least in the summertime right now. Um, so let's be honest, she's kind of ignoring those of us up north here. Well, she's the chief executive of the state and she has no idea, no business sense whatsoever. And so the state is just crumbling. If you look at from the time she took office to today, the state was 11th in the country for economic outlook. We're 36th today. She talks, she touts a budget in education that is the highest budget we've ever seen in the history of the state of Michigan. And she has touted that every year. So she's increased for five years now. She has increased the education budget in the state of Michigan 
And we are in the bottom 10 in the country for education. And if you are a black student in the state of Michigan, you are very unlikely to know how to read because the the reading proficiency and math proficiency went from being in the bottom 10 to the bottom five under Gretchen Whitmer. And yet somehow she's continuing to get people to believe that she cares for people, but she really has not done anything in the state of Michigan that cares for people. But you told me an interesting story about schools in Gaylord, because I think what people need to understand is you're a, a small, tight knit Northern Michigan community that cares about your students and wants to see the best opportunity for kids. But something kind of messed up is happening in your elementary school. So, you know, as as part of this whole thing that we've gone through and and my experience with media, we started, you know, an ancillary podcast to try and tell stories and our story, you know, the full narrative. in, in doing so, we, we kind of have some interesting information start to infiltrate our way. And I ha- I don't have, my wife and I don't have kids in our school system here. Um, we don't have kids, period. But I do pay taxes here, so I do fund our schools. Well, it, it came to my attention uh, sometime in June, early June, that there was an open position uh, that was being filled for our, I believe, our North Ohio Elementary as a, for a paraprofessional um, in the kindergarten. And some candidates were put forward and they hired a trans woman to work at the North Ohio as a paraprofessional. Um, a couple of the school board members objected to the hiring of this person. Um, her, her name is Misha. I, I do not know her. She could be a, a wonderful person. I, I, I don't know. Um, there, the real question is what I am hearing is this individual may not be qualified for this position and has a very sketchy work history. That work history and that CV was hidden from some of the school board members or they weren't given all of the information in order to make an informed decision. Um, Now, they did hire uh, Misha here in Gaylord, but upon hearing this, again, you said a a tight-knit small community a lot of parents reached out and said, you know, what the heck is going on here? We do have a new superintendent here in Gaylord. He is from the downstate area. Um, I do get the sense, and this is not my personal opinion. I've only had one or two dealings with him. Um, but there is a sense of sort of a, I don't like this term, but maybe a new world order sort of coming in here. And this is a pretty conservative area up here in Northern Michigan. I mean, let's be honest, the majority of Michigan is relatively red, um, except for the metro areas, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, And it has been speculated that this may be a test of the new Elliott Larson Civil Rights Act. Um, You know, if this individual is harassed um, or is fired for any certain reason, there would probably be an impending lawsuit. So it's almost like baiting this because they did just pass this law. And we've seen a lot of these news organizations come out and say, you know, now in Michigan, if you use the wrong pronouns, you could essentially go to jail. And then all the Democrat lawmakers went, oh, my gosh, that's not true. That's not exactly what it says. It's not it's not verbatim what it says, but it it could happen. That's right. Um, And what, what I see is a lot of similarities to the upset people about the Florida bill they dubbed mm. the don't say gay bill. 
Um, so uh, it it is more of this meandering of language. And to tie it back in with what we had going on with our lawsuit was simply the language, the gathering of all people for any reason. That language right there was so broad and ambiguous, right. you can do anything with it. Um, and that's just what you're seeing across the board. And when you talk about um, messaging and these groups that are coming out and aren't getting good messages out for candidates and short-term memories, these are sort of the things that we have to draw back to and, and go like, listen, <laughs> this is this is not logical. Some of these things are not logical. With regards to the parapro hiring here in Gaylord, what I've heard from some of the parents is, okay, maybe in the high school, maybe at the high school where the kids are a little bit more mature and understanding of this person's decisions. Um, but in an early learning environment, but, but any in any school, if you have somebody that has a sketchy work history and they're working with kids, don't we want to have the best of the best? I mean, that's why I say it it feels like this is baiting people to come out and and they're going to say, OK, now now these conservatives are breaking the law and you really have a person who's not qualified to work with kids. Right. And that part of it has to be looked at. And part of the issue here locally, I think, is that there is a little bit of um, trepidation about questioning such things because there is a lot of peer pressure revolving around this issue in our state, especially um, even more yep, so. And now. people don't really like jail. So that and that people always... don't like jail. Right. I mean, there's so much ambiguity in this thing that they're talking about. But Again, there's peer pressure. I'm I'm hearing, you know, school board members that, you know, don't want to run again if these things keep coming up and it's going to be an issue. Um, I feel like there may be an issue with this superintendent here in town. Again, I've only had one dealing with the guy. Um, we were able to raise over $10,000 to pay off school lunches for our community schools here. Um, not entirely us, but when we went to the superintendent to say, listen, We've got $11,800 or whatever it is that and, and basically one check to give to you, you would be surprised at how difficult it was to give them money to pay for student lunches. Interesting. Well, now the lunches have been paid for by the governor. So she's been out there touting that the new budget has school lunches paid for for all public schools. And that's the answer to kids learning because they won't be hungry. Now, interestingly, what they never talk about is that for kids that weren't going to have a lunch, they were always paid for by the state. And so that that really can't be her excuse for why learning loss is so great in the state of Michigan and proficiency is so low in the state of Michigan. But, you know, they can use this. They can use these words and make it seem like they're somewhat friendly. I mean, this is how we're in the situation right now, where if you speak out against Goshen, which is the. Yeah. somewhat battery component factory. We don't actually know what they're making because in the state of Michigan, the lawmakers and the governor sign non-disclosure agreements when they give your taxpayer monies to a Chinese communist company. I mean, this is a company that is owned by people that are very involved with the Chinese Communist Party. They have it on the, in their bylaws that they are connected to the Chinese Communist Party. And she has been able to, like she did with the Health and Human Services director when it was coming around the time that people were complaining about restaurants being shut down. She has signed non-disclosure secrecy agreements, and we don't really know what's going on with these companies. It, how does how do the people of northern Michigan feel about that? You know, it's 
Well, I've been following the the Goshen issue a lot. Um, I, I take issue with the entirety idea of batteries are the future, electric vehicles are the future, but that's that's for another discussion. Um, so I don't even think that that a the taxpayers should be paying for it uh, to begin with, um, and I think it's it's a faulty investment all the way around, whether it's a private or a public private dual investment. Um, I, I don't think it's good. Uh, there's some environmental issues that I take issue with. And that's that's what we're seeing up here, up north. They recently uh, tried to expand our Air National Guard base in Grayling, Michigan, um, adding thousands of acres um, for a new program there. Well, there's an ongoing issue with PFAS um, in around the current base as it is. And we're having issues getting that remediated so then we're going to talk about expanding their footprint. It's like, no, no, I, th- I think that was eventually finally turned down. They got the hint that we don't want more of that up here, especially if you're not going to take care of our natural resources. That's what I'm hearing from those folks around that Goshen plant. Let's take a quick commercial break. We'll continue next on the Tudor Dixon podcast. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
what a lot of people around the country may not understand is that our largest natural resource in the state of Michigan is water and that yeah. and we are one of the largest freshwater sources in the country and in the world, actually. So China has all the reason in the world to want to either be here and contaminate our water source or take it for themselves. The question is, which would it be? We don't know because for as many environmental tests as there are for any other company in the state of Michigan, including this base you're talking about, there have been no tests required for the Chinese. Why? It seems just insane. And, you know, I am not a government. I don't love government. Government should, I'm libertarian. It should be extremely limited. I'll tell you, the government has a, does a good enough job of poisoning our natural resources in and of themselves, right? So now we're going to go and invite um, a sketchy company with sketchy ties to come in and further pollute our natural resources. It just, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. And I got to be honest, I don't need A, my tax dollars and B, my governor trying to find me a job. That's the, that's the guise of this entire thing is we're bringing jobs. I'm going overseas to get investments. You're going overseas to spend my tax dollars to quote, get me a job. No, no, no. I would argue that's not what she's doing. She is going overseas using our tax dollars to claim she has foreign policy experience so that she can run for president. I really believe that this is all a bunch of baloney. She's never spent time overseas. She's not a business person. She has no idea how to connect to the outside world. And she has no idea the dangers of of China. She and, you know, you'll have people argue, well, Rick Snyder, he brought a lot of Chinese companies in and told us that he was going to partner with Chinese companies. It was a different time. The The worldview, the global economy was different at that time. And we now see the plan of China. We now see the dangers of China. And many people and many national security experts have come out and said, we are in a very dangerous situation right now where they are marching on our doorsteps. And this is not no longer a Cold War. We are looking at seeing an, an actual active military war with China. And yet Gretchen Whitmer is the only person in the state who can have TikTok that is an elected official. She is out there actively putting herself in jeopardy and putting the state in jeopardy on TikTok. She is bringing Chinese communist connected companies into the state of Michigan. And yet no one is pushing back on this and saying, why would you ever elevate this woman beyond the disaster that she has created in Michigan? Because we are truly in a situation where no one will come here. You talk about bringing jobs to the state. You know, I do say she should bring jobs to the state. That is her job. She should make the state appealing enough. And if that is working with the energy companies to say, hey, get it together and stop having the highest energy prices in the entire country. Hey, how about we don't have an entire week in the middle of winter where we have no electricity whatsoever? I mean, how would these people drive their cars? They can't even heat their homes or turn their lights on. But these exactly. are not the things that this woman is concerned about. She is only concerned about social issues and elevating herself on the cloud of social issues and riding that cloud into D.C. And I think it's incredibly dangerous that we have allowed this to continue and that really there are not people other than you and me and a few others that are speaking out and saying the destruction in Michigan is really beyond the pale. It it really is. And it seems so simple, such a very simple narrative to get out there. And I, I still don't fully understand why nobody has gotten a full grasp on it. Um, part of it is that, you know, the Republicans in the state no, no longer 
there's a lot of issues going on in in that party in our state. Um, I can say that I'm not I'm not a Republican. I get to say that, and I, I would say it either way. But the the real issue is that they need to coalesce around an idea, and the idea simply is that logic has to come into play. Put your feel feels to the side. Stop being upset at everything. Grow some thick skin. Stand up for your principles, right? A lot of these things that we're talking about aren't even necessarily political, but they've been politicized, right? right? right. We're talking about the law. I say that all the time. These are these are statutes that were passed. We took our ability and due process and went and challenged it and had these laws overturned. And you can't believe how many people are pissed at me. They will, they will never come to the Iron Pig because we stayed open or because I put my community in danger or whatever it was. But what happened is I simply said, what they're doing is wrong. There's a different way to do it. And they should be doing it the right way, which was using the Emergency Management Act, not politicizing this whole thing, but it was the easiest thing to do because it ratchets up fear and it brings people's emotions to that level. And you start giving people a permission slip to treat people a certain way because you're not doing what I'm doing. I'm a better person than you because I'm protecting my community and you aren't. But community is an interesting word there because there is something to be said for having a community. And when I came to the Iron Pig, which is really on Main Street downtown and that Main Street in your downtown, I think you said it had five restaurants before the pandemic and then you were the last one standing. Um, Yeah. So they everybody closed we had um the restaurant across the street that does breakfast she opened for a day the health department came in served her with the exact same cease and desist and a thousand dollar a day potential fine um but thankfully we've had i believe half a dozen restaurants that are no longer existing here in gaylord um but the property across the street um has new life in it um we don't have I think maybe one restaurant here in Gaylord that uh, closed after the pandemic that moved to a second location. So they had two locations. So um, we seem to be kind of recovered from that. But again, a lot of that has to do with because we're in such a big uh, tourist area right here off the interstate, right in the middle of the mitten up here. Well, community is, I think for people, community is the most important thing. And I think it's amazing what you were able to do to try to keep that community going. And as I traveled through the state of Michigan, I that was the message that I heard from people, especially in northern Michigan, over and over again, we've been left behind. Our community was destroyed. We lost 3,000 restaurants permanently in the state of Michigan. So when you think about all of the small communities that lost their their traditional mom and pop restaurants in their communities, that's that's losing community. And when we talk about the responsibility of a governor and even our mayors in big cities, these you look at Dallas over the last 10 years, they've brought in 200 headquarters into Dallas, you know, not the state of Texas into Dallas. And yet we're talking about, I mean, she puts out a press release. If she gets 20 jobs, we're expecting 20 jobs in 2026. It's like, what are you talking about? This, these are not successes. My picture of of Whitmer over here. (laughs) (laughs) I saw that. Yes, it is. It's, it's, it's an incredible thing that they try to do that. They're just putting all this fluff out there. It's ridiculous. 
And the problem is we just need more people to stand up and use logic in these things and be like, yeah. 20 jobs, zippity doo dah. You yeah, know, exactly. Well, and, and we, I think that what you've done is amazing. I love that you continue to stand up. Tell people how they listen to your podcast. So uh, our podcast is about everywhere you can find a podcast. Uh, FuelCastTV.com is our website. Uh, FuelCastTV.com uh, is is uh, our YouTube, Rumble, Spotify handles, um, all that stuff. IronPigSmoke.com is where you can find out any information uh, on the Iron Pig. And our our we're actually getting ready to file um, a new declaratory action um, here in Otsego County. Uh, within the next 30 days. So we're, we're still fighting the fight. Even though we have one, we're, we're not done yet. Well, thank you for fighting. And we'll have you back. We'll have you talk about all of this because I think it's so important. And I think it's important for people out there who don't live what we live every day in Michigan to understand what it really is like. And definitely, if you are in Gaylord, Michigan, go to the Iron Pig Smokehouse because everything there is absolutely delicious. Ian Murphy is the owner. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, Tudor. I appreciate it. And thank you all for joining us on the Tudor Dixon podcast for this episode and others. Go to TudorDixonPodcast.com. You can subscribe right there or check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And join us the next time on the Tudor Dixon podcast. Have a great day. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.